Hello and welcome to episode two of Design, Build, Test, Repeat podcast. Today we'll be talking about dark patterns. I'm your co-host Mike Kivakoski. And I'm Eric Bailey. And today we have a guest, Elena Natirio, a d- digital designer from the Boston Globe. Thanks for joining us today. No problem. Happy to be here. Awesome. Do you want to uh, give the fine folks, the fine listeners, uh, a little background about yourself? Sure. Um, So I'm a digital designer here. Um, Basically what that means is I sort of work on the website, but um, what I mostly do here is I work in the newsroom, um, work with editors and uh, writers and photographers and basically anyone that's like a newsy type person to um, kind of bring their story to a digital space. Um, so I'm working on like all those kind of like really cool, like long formy things and interactives that newsrooms are kind of putting out. Um, and I've had a pretty heavy like design background. Um, I went to school for graphic design. Um, I kind of had jobs that were sort of designy and in the digital space and kind of somehow landed here. So that's my background. I think Elena's being a little too modest too. Um, <laughs> she, I, I, you know, full disclosure, I, I used to be an employee at the Globe, and um, when I was working with her, she's basically one of my favorite people. Uh, she, she does the code, she does the visual design, she does the usability, she does the testing, like the whole enchilada. So, uh, you know, <laughs> she's she's the real deal. Ah, oh, thanks. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's like part of the job is like. Um, well, the nice things about the job is uh, I kind of get to see a project from start to finish. So, like, you know, I'm working on um, the content strategy of it with the reporters and the editors, and we're working um, on, like, basically how to best tell a story online. So a lot of that, like, it's, like, the UX and kind of designing something kind of cool and new and different that doesn't have to be, like, you know, a wall of text. Um, and then getting to prototype things out and code it and deliver it. Pretty fun. And I think like another interesting thing, just sort of especially about um, news design is, you know, we're already a deadline driven industry. And, um, you know, in the business world, deadlines are, I think, a little bit more flexible sometimes, whereas in the news world, like with or without you, that printing press is spinning up or that that page is going online because news news happens all the time. News News does happen all the time, breaking things. But the funny thing about the deadlines here is that, like, they can be, like, just not very set in stone. Most of the, I think most of the time they're not set in stone. They usually get pushed off. But the thing is, it's not getting pushed off because of anything in dev or design land. It's always, like, you know, we haven't reported this right or we need some more time for editing or, like, because this has to kind of run through sort of the print standards of things of, like, getting, like, the publisher to sign off and all that kind of stuff. So... There's a lot of blockers that end up happening and, you know, we're working steadily on something and then it's like, oh, this is getting pushed out two months or this is just never happening. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, funny, too, because, you know, the newsroom itself is iterating while design is iterating. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the topic of our last podcast. But it's, it's a, a dynamic that I think is a little bit... Um, different than a lot of kind of traditional shops or business situations. Um, there's, you know, Elena, you mentioned working with product as well as um, with the newsroom. And I was wondering if you can kind of go into a little bit more detail about that division. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think when um, 
I was first here, I was mostly doing product design. Um, Eric and I did that together. Um, uh, and yay. <laughs> um, and there wasn't really that division of like, um, basically being like editorial services versus product services. But yeah, there are designers that work specifically on the products, um, which includes um, websites. And our, so our main website, the globe, and then any kind of verticals that come up with it. Um, so we had like the Beta Boston, which is sort of like a tech site. We had Crux, rest in peace, um, that uh, was sort of like a Catholic vertical. Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, we're designing a new vertical for sports. Um, and then any kind of uh, widgets or anything that get put into the site, that's all sort of within the realm of product. Or, and then like apps and stuff like that too. So uh, everything that's just like non newsy as products yeah it's also it's also kind of interesting in that it's it's part of a holistic whole so you know it's yeah. there's the print to be considered uh so a lot of these ventures kind of dip dip into the print side of things as well as you know the digital endeavors or you know things that are done digitally or then surfaced on print or vice versa well I picture I picture the newsrooms from like all the scenes you see in movies where everybody's just in this open room with just stacks of paper all around them, even if they're digital producers, and then everybody's just like yelling over the cube walls to each other. That's actually fairly yeah. accurate. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of like sexying up the newsroom. Like it is what it is. It's just <laughs> people with stacks of paper yelling at each other in you know, disgruntled voices dropping F-bombs left and right. That's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> so, so, like, I wanted to talk about Dark Patterns this week because I got riffed uh, a week or two ago. I had thought I had canceled the service via email, and then I got a bill in the mail with the contract that I had signed, and they had said that I had to cancel via, like, snail mail. Oh, yeah. And so that got me all riled up, and then I was started looking through just online examples and, and such. So that's how I got on the topic for today. I don't know how we want to lead into that topic in terms of the podcast. So, or if that explanation right there works. Sounds like we just did, yeah. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> for our, for our uh, listeners, <laughs> uh, uninitiated, dark patterns are basically um, elements and flows of user interface that are deliberately designed to uh, misdirect and confuse. Um, sort of has the, the name dark pattern because usually this is used to uh, exploit people's better natures to get what you want. Uh, whereas, you know, a normal pattern enables somebody to get what they want without fooling them or taking, you know, taking advantage of their, their good intentions. It's the dark side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like when you want to cancel your cable, and the only way to do it is to physically call them and spend forty five minutes on the sales pitch about why you shouldn't cancel instead of just <laughs> allowing you to log into your account and end end your service. I've I've actually um, just told them I'm moving to a different country. That's usually my go to. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of like that weird, like just finding an excuse that you know can't they can't rebuttal to at it all. It's like it's like I'm going to like a bar and like this guy is like hitting on me or whatever, and I'm just like you know, uh, I am in an arranged marriage and I have to go meet him like in a week, so I, this just can't happen. 
I'm contagious. Well, you just use the with, some, yeah, with something. I I have Ebola right now, so I really just can't get into a relationship. It's <laughs> just, just FYI. So it's just like yeah, you know, I just find like a really good excuse for those kinds of things. But you shouldn't have to. That's the point. And so usually these patterns, from my understanding, they emerge from like business decisions or someone that's looking at like the bottom monetary or user count or the amount of people using the service line. It's not really from an empathetic point of view. Have have you dealt with that before? Because have you gotten the requirement to design something that's kind of like, this is going to suck? Yes and no. Um, I think so. It really just kind of depends on the company you're at. Like at the Globe, it's like it's so huge and you have... It's not just me and a couple of devs touching the website. Like a lot of people are touching this website, which results in a lot of bad things. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, you know, we'll get these requests or another group of devs are working on something to, you know, that another department has implemented that hasn't gone through, you know, us or um, anyone else that we would know to talk to about this. Um, and then it just pops up on the site and you're like, oh, what's that? Um, <laughs> a lot of the time. So, I mean, and then at that point when it's already on the site, it's super, super hard to get it off the site because, you know, what they say is like the most temporary thing is the most permanent thing. Um, temporary, sol- or temporary solutions are um, probably the most permanent thing on, on sites. It's funny how that happens where it's just a, a quick fix for a quick win and then three years later that becomes the legacy item that you're now designing or working around. That should be the tagline for the globe. Like, it's just a quick fix. <laughs> <laughs> so in your in your experience, have you been able to like, work around any of that or if, do you have any advice or suggestions on how one could fix or work towards taking a dark pattern and changing it to a more like empathetic solution for a user? Yeah. And I think, I mean, there are ways of doing it. It can be different. It can be pretty difficult, especially if like a dark pattern results in more clicks and they have analytics on it, which of course, you know, uh, like the, the, that close button example that, um, that, um, dark patterns in the Boston Globe article, um, pointed out, um, I think it's it's a learning process of teaching everyone that works here to be more empathetic to their users, to kind of see themselves as users too. You know, this is not just about getting conversion, but like think about yourself on a site and what annoys you um, and how would you react to that. Um, so kind of getting them from that level um, is better than just kind of telling them like, well, this is a dark pattern and you shouldn't use it. So actually explaining to them how and why and have placing them in the user's shoes and yeah. walking through why this is a, ter- a, not- a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a, a kind of a note about the analytics thing. It's, it's interesting because, you know, there's, there's lies, damn lies and statistics. Uh, you know, you can get your click throughs on something that, you, you know, utilizes a dark pattern, but to Elena's point, that's sometimes at the expense of like a long-term customer. Um, you know, you might have somebody popping in, who previously would have subscribed or, you know, stayed on the site, but because they have to sort of mentally work around this obstacle that gives them a negative overall perception. 
Um, to that point, I saw a Twitter discussion the other day by the the person behind the Nomad List, where he was talking about sites that have the um, what is it? When you when you enter the site, it's got the modal that pops up and says "Sign up for our newsletter." And some, you know, he was saying how that sucks to see. And then somebody rebuttaled to him that it has one of the highest conversion rates for collecting email addresses. And so his his response was, that's great. You have a bunch of email addresses, but do you have any long-term customers that are coming back to your site for for actual content at that point? Right, right. I mean, it's, it's hard to put a value on stuff like that when you have like the numbers right there like i think i think that just definitely takes some time and, and like i said like learning um from people that like this is this is an investment in your users and not just sort of like you know your short turnover of like we got more clicks on this so it must be good yeah so it's it's sort of like yeah knowing your site in context you know if if you're just selling something like a one and done please buy my weird little tchotchke like that might be a little bit more, I don't want to say appropriate, but that might be a little bit more of a more applicable situation where you could see that like, oh, we're going to upsell you on the checkout and tiny type and you're not going to see it. But if you're crafting a product where you expect people to kind of use it, you know, day in and day out or over a long, a long timeline, it's just, it's, it's going to come back and bite you. Um, yeah. I'd like to see the, the drop-off rate of customers after they've gone through introductory rates of products where it's, you know, it's a cheap rate for X amount of time. And then after that, we auto bill you a more expensive rate. And then you've got people that maybe don't check bank statements every month. Yeah. And then you've got people that are pretty on top of it. I'm curious what the drop-off rate is. Like, do you get one month out of those people? Do you get six months? Do they like the content so they keep coming back so they don't mind paying the higher rate? I'd be curious to like actually hear from users. Yeah. And then there's, I think there's nuance within that as well. I mean, there's, there's intentional dark patterns and then sometimes there's just negligence. Um, you know, the, the difference between sending out a billing notification email, you know, or purposely electing not to versus not even having the thought occur to do that. You know, th there's, there's kind of a lot of variation within that realm of experience. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not every not every UX or dark UX pattern is malicious, but yeah, it's just it's things that happen when you're not being mindful of what's going into your site. So if you if you were an actual user of a site and you encounter a dark pattern, how do you go about how do you go about that pattern? Do you stop using that product altogether? Is there an avenue that you would use to try and contact someone that works at that application and be like, hey, this sucks? As much as I hate to do it, the, the Twitter shaming is probably the most effective way. Like, you know, saying like, you know, doing a screenshot and saying like, hey, company, like, you know, what gives? Uh, that's That seems to be the one that kind of gets be the most traction and makes them pay attention a bit more than kind of direct messaging um, someone who works there. It's interesting the the transparency and like putting that out in the public gets the, f the faster reaction or whatnot than like the quiet slip under the door. And as I say that, I use my hand to do a slipping under the door motion. <laughs> it's like I'm there. <laughs> it's like you can see me. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. It's also, it's, it's a different kind of metric. Um, you know, it's, it's a case Twitter or email or, you know, a Facebook post. It, it is, you know, air quotes public, but you're not a bounce and you don't, without a reason behind it, it's a direct communication to the people that are listening that says explicitly this thing that you're doing is wrong. Um, and it gives it, you know, gives the complaining context. Uh, it's not being left up to somebody on the other end to analyze, you know, at four second, 38 mark, you know, user 12 of 6 million popped off for this, of this page at this, you know, at this point, for some reason that I sure I'm sure correlates somewhere, uh, you know, whereas like Twitter, you can say this is bad and you should change it, which is, which is nice sometimes. <laughs> yeah. To bring it full circle. That's all also how I deal with my Comcast complaints. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Speaking, speaking of dark patterns, yeah, their Comcast <laughs> is a awful, but B the only game in town, but C so bad at dark patterns that there exists a company who all they do is unsubscribe you for Comcast. They are so good at the dark patterns that other people have taken that entrepreneurial spirit and actually figured out a way to make money to deal with Comcast's like layers and layers and layers of subversion. And I think that's just kind of like, where, where does it stop? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's actually an interesting way of thinking about UX to like, or dark patterns in a way that it's not just like web modules and like, you know, shady clothes buttons. And uh, it's, it's, it's about the full experience of your interaction with this company, um, whether it be web or phone call or whatever, like there can be dark patterns everywhere. So beware. <laughs> They're all around you. <laughs> oh no. Danger, danger. Danger. But I think we've also, discovered through this conversation that not every single one is meant to be malicious like some is just people not realizing that experience so letting companies and people within those companies know that something is is wrong or not not as smooth as it should be i think is a helpful first step and then if that isn't corrected or you see more evidence of that throughout the company that's when you really just start bashing the company right there's yeah, um, there's there's a book that I really like. Uh, it's called uh, Evil by Design by Chris uh, Nutter. We'll throw it into the show notes, but it's actually about taking dark patterns um, and you know the the entire scope of flow of experience and basically using them for good. It's one of those once you learn the rules, you can kind of learn how to break them. Uh, things and I, th- I think it's especially if you're interested in um, you know psychology or you know, user experience. It's it's one of those very clever tools where you can subvert something that takes advantage of some of our, you know, baser inclinations to use it to maybe help the user ultimately get what they want. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting read and it's it's kind of cute. They break it up um, in chapters by the seven deadly sins. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a great, it's a good book. Is there, is there anything that you're working on that directly impacts any sort of patterns or? Um, well, the nice, the nice thing about what I do is I'm, I'm kind of shielded from that to a degree because a lot of what I make are sort of one-offs and not entire websites. Um, so I do get to kind of implement my own um, patterns that are not dark, hopefully, most of the time. <laughs> Excellent. But if, but if they are, I, I appreciate when people 
call those out because a because it's good to be called out and to know if something is dark and b because i actually have the power to change that like really quickly um because i have full more full control over it the problem with like you know being you know an enterprise dev or like working on like the core website is that pushing those changes takes so much time because people are in a sprint schedule things get reprioritized it can literally be like two lines of code that you're changing but if it's not within that schedule like you know it might never get done which is sort of the unfortunate part of um working in like a larger business that's awesome so yeah so just to just to recap uh so dark patterns are you know they're out in the world um sometimes what we might think is a dark pattern may not be so it's important to be be aware a be aware of them to sort of keep yourself from falling into traps but also be uh, call them out when you see them, be communicative. Remember that somebody on the other side, you know, it may or may not be a malicious thing and it may or may not be something that they have control over. So remember to be a little bit constructive with your criticisms when you do raise them. There's some resources out there if you're interested. We're going to throw them into the show notes, uh, including um, darkpatterns.org, which is uh, sort of the the central location where a lot of these patterns are identified, as well as the book Evil by Design by uh, Chris Notter. Um, and yeah, they kind of, that's the long and short of it. Uh, just, Alina, we want to thank you for coming on today to talk about your experiences. Um, you're welcome back anytime. I promise I'll be more prepared next time. <laughs> so, so will we. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, it was great being here. Um, and if, you want to follow me on the tweeters um my twitter name is at elena natario and it's just spell it out because it's not like i don't know you can still misspell my name a lot and it's, I don't know. it's okay but anyways it's um e-l-a-i-n-a-n-a-t-a-r-i-o all one word and so for those of you that can't spell we'll put a link to it in the show notes as well and you can, oh, yeah. you can find a description, the show notes, and past episodes at dbtr.fm. You can find us on iTunes, so please feel free to leave us a review if you loved or hated the show. You can find us on Twitter at dbtrpodcast. And with that, this is episode two. I'm Mike Kivakoski. I'm Eric Bailey. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Everyone remember to save. <laughs> <laughs> so...